Hey guys, what's up? It's me, Gracie. I'm feeling a little bit better tonight. Uh, I have gotten a lot of rest today. I just ate some decent pasta that I made by myself. Um, I have been chilling out today. I went and got my nails done for my birthday for Christmas, and it's like, they're okay. That's kind of been like my thing lately. <laughs> like, I went and got my my lashes, like, I went, and, I went and got a lash lift, and it was like, it's not awesome, but it's like, okay. I went and got my nails done. It's like, they're not awesome, but they're like, okay. You know, it's just kind of, that's just kind of how I've been doing lately, and honestly, I'm living by it. Same thing for my grades. I know I said I'd talk about it last episode, but yeah. I ended my semester with two B's, two A's, and one C. I'm pretty upset about that C, but you know what? Shit happens next semester. I'll just, you know, try harder, I guess. I don't know. I feel like I tried pretty hard this semester, but it's whatever. Also, I'm trying to kind of like, you know, be a little more bouncy right now. <laughs> I am feeling, you know, I'm not feeling awesome, but hey, I'm here. I'm awesome. But you know what is awesome? that this is my last episode of the first season of Up at Night. Wow. How crazy is that? Oh my god. That's like, that's insane to me. I didn't even, like, a part of me was worried I wouldn't even get, like, two, like, three episodes. Like, I was like, no, I'm gonna get too busy. I'm gonna push it to the back burner. But no, like, I did it. This year, like, last semester, I ran a podcast, I ran an organization, I worked for my school newspaper, and I still made decent grades. Like, oh my god. Like, this is what I want to do forever. I love, I love being on a podcast, you guys. I love making this podcast for y'all. I love being on this podcast with y'all. Like, I really do, and I do have some very fun things planned for the future. Uh, but first, before that fun thing happens, I am going to be taking a break. As we have discussed, as we have discussed, I'm going to be taking a break for two weeks. So next Thursday, you won't hear from me. The Thursday after that, you won't hear from me. But then the Thursday after that, on January 9th, I will be back. Uh, And I kind of like, my mom told me, I talked about it last episode, my mom and me had this talk and she was like, we'll just do every other like week, you do a true crime and then a horror, like a true crime and then a cryptid, a true crime and then a ghost story, stuff like that. And I think I'm going to kind of kneel full force with that. So I will be coming back with a, um, a cryptid story because the week after that, I'm actually may have a special guest come on and talk about a fun true crime story that she knows about. But that is kind of all I really have for my, like, you know, my like pre pre story stuff. I actually, so I starting to use this like actual podcast like format and it's kind of nice. Like it's kind of, I don't know. It's really helpful to me. I feel very put together. Now, today, because it is, in fact, my last season, my last season, wow, because today is my last episode, I did kind of want to go all out. So, I know that last last episode was kind of, you know, meh, kind of, meh, kind of a little bit, meh. this episode, I, like, oh my god, there's a lot of, there's a jam-packed full material in this thing. And I'm going to be snotting my way through it because my nose is still draining. But you know what? You can't see it. So it's okay. Uh, I'm also drinking my cranberry juice right now. Do you guys like cranberry juice? I love cranberry juice. A lot of people don't. I don't really know why. I think it's delicious. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> probably get into like, you know, the whole reason that you're here, whatever. Crime. Blah. <laughs> so the first story we're talking about today is a Christmas rampage. It I got most of this, I got this information from Murderpedia. 
more specifically from a magazine in Arkansas by Angelina Swanlund. So thank you, Angelina. You're you're definitely not listening to this. Like, I could bet on a thousand things. And my number one, like, oh, yes, I will win money on this is that you're not listening to this podcast right now. If you are, though, hey. <laughs> was that pause awkward enough? <laughs> okay. I was going to talk, but then I was like, no, nah, I want to hold it out. Okay, so, I don't know. Ronald Gene Simmons was born on July 15, 1940, in Chicago, Illinois, to Loretta and William Simons. Simmons? Whatever. On January 31, 1943, William Simmons died of a stroke. Within a year, Simmons' mother married again, this time to William D. Griffin, a civil engineer for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. The corps moved Griffin to Little Rock, Pulsacken, County. Don't know what the fuck that means. In 1946, the first of several transfers that would take the family across central Arkansas over the next decade. Pause. Is Arkansas the right word? Because I heard people say that, like, if you say Arkansas and Arkansas, they, like, will get very, very mad at you. So is, like, Arkansas? Is it Arkansas the right word? Wait, wait, wait. Have I been saying Arkansas wrong this entire time? Wait. Arkansas. Oh my god, I've been saying Arkansas wrong my entire life. Are you kidding me? No way. No way. There is no way. I've pronounced... i pronounced Arkansas wrong my entire life! Oh my god! <laughs> I cannot believe that. Oh my god, I almost went this entire episode calling it Arkansas. Oh my god, this makes so much more sense. I never knew what Arkansas was. <laughs> so growing up, I would hear people talk about Arkansas, and I'd be like, "I is that like a combination of Kansas and Arkansas? But I never really knew where it was. Oh my god, I'm a dumbass. Um... Anyways, Arkansas isn't real. Nobody needs to worry about it. If you're, you're, I don't have any demographic in Arkansas, I don't think, but oh my god. Oh, I was once told by someone that if I called it Arkansas in Arkansas, they'd punch me. And I was like, that makes sense. Then I was like, wait a second, then where's Arkansas? I thought it was like a tiny, tiny town in between Arkansas and Kansas. Are they even near each other? Hold on. I'm so sorry. This is such a sidetrack. I promise I'll go back to the murder in a second. USA map. Because if they're not even next to each other, I'm going to fucking... I'm going to lose my mind. That would be the funniest thing in the entire world. Hold on. Okay. I have the map pulled up because I don't have... Okay. There is... Where is it? There's Missouri. There's Kansas. Where's Arkansas? That's Oklahoma. Oh my god. Is Arkansas not by it? Wait, wait, wait. This map doesn't help me. I'm really... I'm stupid. I need a... I need a clear map. Okay. So yeah, they're not even... (laughs) They're, like, kind of near each other. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I cannot believe I'm pronouncing Arkansas wrong for practically my entire life. Oh, my God. People from Arkansas that have heard me talk much fucking hate me. <sighs> anyway, okay. So. <laughs> Sorry about that, little. That little. Oh, I cannot believe I did that. So on September 15th, 1957, Simmons dropped out of school and joined the U.S. Army. 
His first station was Birmingham Naval Base in Washington, where he met Barba... Where he met... Okay, I'm going to pronounce this the best that I can. I'm confused. So, it's Barsheba, Barsheba, Rebecca, Becky, Yulabari. Okay, I feel like I spelled that okay. I spelled that. I feel like I pronounced that okay. Whom he married in New Mexico on July 9th, 1960. Over the next 18 years, the couple had seven children. In 1963, Simmons left the Navy, and approximately two years later, he joined the Air Force. During his 22-year military career, Simmons was awarded a Bronze Star, the replica of Vietnam Cross for his service as an airman, and the Air Force Ribbon for excellent marksmanship. Simmons retired on November 30, 1979, at the rank of Master Sergeant. On April 3, 1981, Simmons was being invested by the Cloudcroft, New Mexico Department of Human Services, for allegations that he had fathered a child with his 17-year-old daughter, Sheila. Fearing arrest, Simmons fled first to Ward, which is a Lenoke County, in late 1981, and then to Dover, which is in Pope County, in the summer of 1983. I don't know why those two are important, probably because it's from an Arkansas magazine. That's right, I did it right this time. I'm so mad at myself. Okay, sorry. <laughs> the family took up residence on a 13-acre tract of land that would become known as Mockingbird Hill. Oh. The residence was constructed of two older model mobile homes joined to form one large home and was surrounded by a makeshift privacy fence as high as 10 feet tall in some places. The home did not have telephone or indoor plumbing. Simmons worked a string of low-paying jobs in the nearby town of Russellville, which is in Pope County. He quit a position as an accounts receivable clerk at Woodline Motor Freights after numerous reports of inappropriate sexual advances. Inappropriate sexual advances. I did not do a... I forgot to do a trigger warning. <laughs> okay, well, I haven't gotten any of the bad stuff yet. So, trigger warning is murder, uh, sexual assault, kidnapping, pedophilia... Um, I'm pretty sure that's it. Like, violence. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. I'm sorry, I totally forgot to do trigger warning at the very beginning. I even wrote it down. Uh, but I haven't gotten any, like, the serious graphic stuff yet, so I feel like it's fine. <laughs> My B. <laughs> he went to work at a Sinclair Mini Mart for approximately a year and a half before quitting on December 18th, 1987. Now we get into the murder part. On December 22nd, 1987, Simmons bludgeoned and shot his wife before bludgeoning and shooting his visiting son, 29-year-old Ronald Gene Simmons Jr. He then strangled his three-year-old granddaughter, and all bodies were later found in a shallow pit Simmons had instructed the children to dig months before for a third family outhouse. Later that same day, the Dover school bus dropped off their younger Simmons children for their Christmas break from school. Based on crime scene investigations, it is believed that Simmons' children, ages 17, 14, 11, and 8, were separated and killed individually by strangulation and or drowning in the rain barrel. Their bodies, too, were found in the hole for the outhouse. The older Simmons children have been invited to the Simmons' house on December 26, 1987 for an after-Christmas dinner. 23-year-old William H. Simmons II, his 21-year-old wife, Renetta May Simmons, and, their, and his 20-month son, all from Fortis, Dallas County, wherever that is, was likely to first arrive. William and Renetta were shot, and their bodies were left by the dining room table and covered with their own coats and some bedding. The child was killed and placed into the trunk of a car behind Simmons' house. Next to arrive was Simmons' 24-year-old daughter, 
Sheila, and her husband, 33-year-old Dennis Raymond McNulty, as well as her children, 7-year-old Sylvia, who was the daughter of Sheila and of Mr. Simmons, and 21-month-old Michael. Sheila was shot, and her body was laid on the dining room table and covered with a tablecloth. Simmons shot Dennis and strangled Sylvia. Michael was strangled and placed into the trunk of yet another parked car. Later that same day, Simmons drove to Russellville, where he stopped at a Sears store and picked up Christmas gifts that had been ordered but had not made it in before the holidays. Later that night, he drove to a private club in Russellville. Then he went home and waited out the weekend. On Monday, December 28, 1987, Simmons drove a car that had belonged to his son, Ronald Jr., to Russellville. He purchased a second gun from Walmart. His next stop was the Peel, Eddy, and Gibson Law Firm. After entering the building, Simmons shot and killed receptionist-slash-secretary Kathy Cribbins Kendrick. He next went to the Taylor Oil Company, where he shot and wounded Russell Rusty Taylor, the owner of the Sinclair Mini Mart, where he had worked, and then shot and killed J.D. Jim Chaffman, a fireman and part-time truck driver for Taylor Oil. Simmons shot at and missed another employee before exiting the building. Simmons then went to the Sinclair Mini Mart, where he shot and wounded Roberta Woolery and David Saylor. His last stop was the Woodline Motor Freight Company. Simmons located his former supervisor, Joyce Boltz, and wounded her in the head with the chest. Wait, let's Joyce Butts. Okay. Joyce Butts and wounded her in the head and chest. I'm trying so hard. So hard. Because it's a name, and she's a victim. She didn't die. Did she? No, she didn't die. She didn't die. Okay. Her name's Joyce Butts. Oh, my God. Oh, it's so, it's sometimes so hard because, like, this is just a list of people that he killed. Like, he has no, like, other, like, oh, spooky, like, oh, funny thing to laugh about. Her name's Butts. I'm so sorry. I'm immature, and I know it. Uh, okay. 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 He then took worker Vicki Jackson at gunpoint into the computer office and advised her to phone the police. Simmons allegedly told Jackson, I've come to do what I wanted to do. It's all over now. I've gotten everybody who wanted to hurt me. He surrendered to Russellville police when they arrived. Simmons was sent to the Arkansas... I almost said Arkansas. To the Arkansas State Hospital in Little Rock for an evaluation by staff psychiatrist Dr. Irving Cole. Coe found Simmons to be sane and capable of standing trial. Public defenders Robert G. Doc Arwin and John Harris were, were appointed to represent Simmons. The prosecuting attorney was John Bynum. 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 Anyways, the jury selected for the first trial took less than six hours. On May 12, 1988, Simmons was convicted in the Franklin County Circuit Court for the death of Kendrick and Chaffin. Then on May 16th, Simmons was sentenced to death by legal injection plus 147 years, and Simmons refused all rights to appeal. So, overall, Simmons was found guilty of 14 counts of capital murder and the deaths of his family members on February 10th, 1989 in the Johnson City Circuit Court with Judge Patterson presiding. So, here's kind of, you know, where it gets a little bit crazier. Um, so, Simmons was found guilty. Um... With Judge Patterson presenting, Bynum offered a possible motive when he presented an undated note that was discovered in a safe deposit back at Russellville Bank after Simmons' arrest. The letter seemed to indicate a strong love-hate relationship between Simmons and his daughter Sheila. After the judge ruled the letter admissible, Simmons lashed out at Bynum, punching him in the face and then unsuccessfully strangling him with the deputy's handcuffs. Officers rushed him out of the courtroom in chains.
He was sentenced to death by lethal injection on March 16, 1989. He again wavered all rights to appeal. <laughs> on May 31, 1990, Governor Bill Clinton signed Simmons' second ex execution warrant for June 25, 1999. No, for June 25th, 1990. This was the quickest sentence to execution to death time in United States history since the death penalty was reinstated in 1976. Simmons refused all visitors, including legal counsel and clergy. His last words were, Justice delayed finally be done in justable homicide. No family members claimed the body, so Simmons was buried in a pauper's plot at Lincoln Memorial Lawn in Varner. And that was a story of Ronald G. Simmons, a.k.a. The dude who just went fucking crazy. Uh, there's, there is no motive that I could think of. I, I genuinely do just think this dude was just like, hey, I'm done with this shit. Like, of course, obviously, he, him and his daughter had some incest dual relationship, which is statutory rape. Um, but like, I don't know, just the whole thing kind of is weird. I get, I'm more worried about the crimes that don't really have a true motive. Like, the motive that was decided was that there's a possibility... <laughs> that um him and his you know him and his daughter were like you know had like a big like love-hate relationship but like I don't know that doesn't like solidify anything to me um yeah I can't find anything about motive which is really really weird to me I just like I don't get it I don't get his motive uh I don't I don't get his motive but you know what sometimes there is no motive sometimes people just kill to kill and that's scary but that's the truth and now I'm going to go downstairs and get more cranberry juice because I need some because the next story is also long. <laughs> I got my cranberry juice. I got my cranberry juice. I also got a Gatorade. Okay. Let me just put on my headphones. And we'll get started on this next crime. The next crime is, in fact, a bit of a doozy, honestly. And there's going to be someone out there who knows more about this than I do. I promise you because it is a famous case. Um, one with intrigue and one that still to this day just kind of you know everyone knows about it like there's not a person in the world I think who doesn't at least know a little bit about the case um, but this is going to be hopefully <sighs> I ran upstairs really fast <laughs> this is hopefully going to be you know a little a little overview of the case for you so this is the John Bonnet Ramsey case Ooh, I just felt a chill run down someone's spine. It wasn't mine, it was your spine. I, I felt it. I feel your spine. <laughs> okay. So, my glasses are foggy. Or my eyes watering. I'm not really sure anymore. Maybe I'm just crying. Who really knows? <sighs> In the early morning hours of December 26, 1996, John and Patsy Ramsey awoke to find their six-year-old daughter, John Bonet Ramsey, missing from her bed at their home in Boulder, Colorado. Patsy and John had woken up early to prepare for a trip when Patsy discovered a ransom note on the stairs demanding $118,000 for their daughter's safe return. The letter read, hold on, I had to get the mindset of the ransom note driver. The letter read, Mr. Ramsey, listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We do respect your business, but not the country that it serves. Business is also misspelled. Okay. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession, which is also misspelled. She is safe and unarmed, and if you want her to see 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. You withdraw 118000 from your account, 100000 will be $100 bills, and the remaining 18000 in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate size attached to the bank. 
When you get home, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you to be rested. If we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the morning, and hence, earlier delivery pickup of your daughter. Any deviations of instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. You will also be denied her remains for proper burial. The two gentlemen watching over your daughter do not particularly like you, so I advise you not to provoke them. Speaking to anyone about your situation, such as police, FBI, etc., will result in your daughter being beheaded. If we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. If you alert bank authorities, she dies. If the money is in any way marked or tampered with, she dies. You will be scanned for electronic devices, and if any are found, she dies. You can try and deceive us, but be warned that we are familiar with law enforcement countermeasures and tactics. You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Outsmart is awesome spelled. Follow our instructions, and you stand a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny as well as the authorities. Don't try to grow a brain, John. You are not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't underestimate us, John. Use that good southern common sense of yours. It is up to you now, John. Victory. SBTC. <laughs> oh, man. I have so much drainage in my, in my throat now, okay? I'm so sorry. Despite the note's warning not to involve police, Patsy immediately called them, as well as friends and family, in order to aid in the search for John Ramsey. Police arrived at 5.55 a.m. and found no signs of forced entry, but did not search the basement where her body was inevitably found. Before her body was found, there were many investigation mistakes made. Only JonBenet's room was quartered off, so friends and family roamed the rest of the house, picking up things and potentially destroyed evidence. The Boulder Police Department also shared evidence they found with the Ramseys and delayed conducting their informal interviews with the parents. At 1 p.m., the detectives instructed Mr. Ramsey and the family friend to go around the house to see if anything was amiss. The first place they looked was the basement, where they found JonBenet's body. John Ramsey immediately picked up his daughter's body and brought her upstairs, which, unfortunately, destroyed potential evidence by disturbing the crime scene. Which I honestly, like, I understand. Like, you know. I'm not going to get into whole theories later, but theoretically, if you found your daughter dead, would you not, like, you know, want to hold her one last time? Like, I understand, I understand why he, hold, why he held her. Like, I do, I really do get that, but... You know, it's kind of like, come on, you gotta, you gotta use your brain. It, hey, dad, if you're listening to this right now, um, if you ever find me murdered, just don't touch me till later. Like, just let, let the police people come through. Then, then, you know, you can hug and do your whole crying thing like that. Um, oh, like that scene from, uh, uh, is that the Harry Potter? No, it's not Harry Potter. Is that that Harry Potter? Like, I wouldn't know Harry Potter. I think it's like Star Wars thing where it's like crying. I don't, know, I don't know Star Wars. You know Star Wars. Okay, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> During the autopsy, it was discovered that John Ramsey had died from asphyxiation due to strangulation, in addition to a skull fracture. Her mouth had been covered in duct tape, and her wrists and neck were wrapped in a white cord. Her torso had also been covered in a white blanket. There were no conclusive evidence of rape, as no semen was found on the body, and her vagina appeared to be wiped clean. Though, although a sexual assault had occurred... The makeshift garret was made using a length of cord and part of a paintbrush from the basement. The coroner also found what was believed to be pineapple in JonBenet's stomach. Her parents do not remember giving her any the night before she died, but there was a bowl of pineapple in the kitchen which had her nine-year-old brother's fingerprints on it. However, that meant little since time cannot be attributed to fingerprints. The Ramseys maintained that Burke, the brother, 
was in his room at all night asleep, and there was never any physical evidence to reflect otherwise. Now, there are two popular theories in the Ramsey case. We're going to go over both theories and then the latest development of the case. The family theory, there are two, so the two, <laughs> so the two theories are the family theory and the intruder theory. The initial investigation focused heavily on the Ramsey family for many reasons. The police felt the ransom note was staged, as it was unusually long, written using a pen and paper from the Ramsey's house, and demanded almost the exact amount of money that John had received as a bonus earlier that year. Additionally, the Ramseys were reluctant to cooperate with police, though they later said this was because they feared the police would not conduct a full investigation and target them as easy suspects. However, all three members of the immediate family were questioned by investigation and submitted handwriting samples to compare to the ransom letter. Both John and Burke were cleared of any suspicion of writing the note, although much was made that Patsy could not be conclusively cleared by her handwriting sample. This analysis was not further supported by any other evidence. <laughs> so her handwriting was fishy, but like nothing else was known. Despite a larger pool of suspects, the media immediately focused on John Monet's parents, and they spent years under the harsh limelight of the public eye. In 1999, a Colorado grand jury voted to indict the Ramseys on child endangerment and obstruction of a murder investigation. However, the prosecutor felt that the evidence did not meet the beyond a reasonable doubt standard and declined to prosecute. John Monet's parents were never officially named as suspects in the murder. Alternatively, the intruder theory had lots of physical evidence to support it. There was a boot print found next to JonBenet's body, which did not belong to anyone in the family. There was also a broken window in the basement, which were believed to be the most likely point of entry for an intruder. Additionally, there was DNA from drops of blood of an unknown male found on her underwear. Uh, the floor in the Ramsey house home were heavily carpeted, making it plausible for an intruder to have carried JonBenet down the stairs without waking the family. Um, one of the most famous suspects was... <laughs> oh, man. I hate that I'm so snotty. I'm trying to give you guys a good last episode, and here I am, snozzing all over the place. <laughs> okay. Ah. Okay. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. One of the most famous suspects was John Carr. He was arrested in 2006 when he confessed to killing John Monet by accident after he had drugged and sexually assaulted her. Carr was eventually dismissed as a suspect after it was revealed that there was no drugs found in John Monet's system. Police could not confirm that he was in Boulder at the time and his DNA did not match the profile generated from the samples found. Much of the recent, much of the recent investigation of the case revolves around the DNA profiles developed from the samples found in her underwear and the touch DNA later discovered from her long johns. The, the profile of her underwear was entered into CODIS, which is the National DNA Database, in 2003, but no matches have been identified. <laughs> In 2006, Boulder District Attorney Mary Lacey took over the case. She agreed with the federal prosecutor that the intruder theory was more plausible than the Ramseys killing their daughter. Under Lacey's lead, investigators developed a DNA profile from touch DNA, which is DNA left behind by skin cells, on her long johns. In 2008, Lacey released a statement detailing the DNA evidence and fully exonerating the Ramsey family, stating in part, The Boulder District Attorney's Office does not consider any member of the Ramsey family, including John, Patsy, and Burke Ramsey, as suspects in this case. We make this announcement now because we have recently obtained the scientific evidence that adds significantly to the expulsionary value of the previous scientific evidence. We do so with full appreciation of the other evidence in this case. 
In 2010, the case was officially reopened with newfound focus on DNA samples. Further testing had been conducted on the samples and excerpts. Now believe... I said experts instead of experts. <sighs> Further testing has been conducted on the samples and experts believe that the sample is actually from two individuals rather than one. In 2016, it was announced that the DNA would be sent to Colorado Bureau of Investigation to be tested using the more modern methods and authorities hope to develop an even stronger DNA profile of the killer. Now, I'm going to talk about an update from January 2019. I don't really know where this update has gone. I don't know. I don't know what exactly it means, but I do think it's worth and it's like it's worth mentioning. Okay, so there was one man that was a longtime suspect of the murder, um, who confessed to accidentally killing the six-year-old in a series of letters. Uh, so his name's Gary Oliver. He's 54, is a convicted pedophile, currently serving a 10-year sentence in Colorado for possession of child pornography, but is up for parole in 2020. He wrote to his classmate, I never loved anyone like I loved John Bonet, and yet I let her slip and her head bashed in half and I watched her die. Olivia wrote in a letter to his former classmate, Michael Valley. It was an accident. Please believe me. She was not like the other kids. In another letter to Volley, Olivia wrote, John Bonet completely changed me and removed an all evil from me. Just one look at her beautiful face, her glowing beautiful skin, and her divine godlike body. I realized I was wrong to kill other kids. Yet by accident, she died and it was my fault. Uh, Volley had suspected his old high school buddy killed John Bonet for the last 22 years because he received a phone call from from Gary uh, late night on December 26 in 1996 where he essentially told like he was essentially crying and said I heard a little girl he tried to get more information out of his friend but he couldn't get any uh, he later called the Boulder Police Department and told them that he knew that it could have been Gary and like what Gary told him but they never actually got back to them that is the story of the JonBenet Ramsey case I want to know what y'all think, because I know there are some people who believe that the brother killed her, and honestly, for a while, I also believed the brother killed her, and then I, like, looked into it a little bit more, and it does make more sense for the intruder theory, especially because not all of the rooms in the house were boarded off. Like, it was just her room. Anyone could have been in there. It doesn't take that much to sneak into a crime scene. I've seen people on TV do it all the time. I just get really close to the microphone to get my, my cranberry juice. Of course, it's an interesting case. Everyone's, everyone's talked about JonBenet Ramsey case. Like, it's a famous case. It's a case that, it's a case that everyone knows, everyone's familiar with. Like, it's not like, like a new case or anything. You know what I mean? This is sad. This is my last episode for the semester, for the season. I'm not saying semester. I'm such a, I'm stuck in school mode right now. But, so, what do y'all think? Who killed JonBenet Ramsey? Tweet me. Let me know. Up at night cast. Let me know who you think killed her. I genuinely would like to know. Uh, comment at me. DM me. Let's talk about it. I want to know. Show me your theories. Just talk to me about it. Let's do it. So, my good thing for this final season finale is you. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you listening to this podcast. I'm thankful for you following me. I'm, thank you, I'm thankful for you supporting me. It really does, like, it means a lot. And this this past few months would not have been what they were if I did not have this podcast with me and like it's been hard it's like I'm not gonna lie to y'all it's been a rough past few months like I'm sure you could tell that some days I just wasn't there but I still showed up 
because I care about what I do. I care about this project I'm working on and I care about you guys. And I'm glad that I get to do this. I'm glad I have people who want to listen to me. And it's just, it brings my heart joy that you're here with me today. It brings my heart joy that you're here with me every single week, even whenever I'm sick and even whenever I can't really talk. But I'm just so thankful for for you and yours. And I'm just, uh, love ya. I love ya, you knucklehead. Oh, I love ya. I can't really breathe my nose right now, so all that talking kind of hurt my, hurt my, hurt my chest. So, again, thank you for being here for so long. Uh, this is my 17th episode. I didn't really think that anyone would even want to listen to this podcast, as I've said before, and you guys proved me wrong, and... You know, next season, I'm going to come full force. Like, you guys better be ready for it. I plan on going all out. I'm going to start really going balls to the wall with this thing. This is no longer just, like, me, like, fucking around in a closet. This is going to be real. I'm going to get an actual microphone. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my shit together. And I'm so excited to bring y'all along with me. So, again, I'd like to explain the break a little bit more, just so we're not confused. I will be back in January. The second week of January, I'll be back. Right. <laughs> yeah, so you'll hear from me again January 9th. I just want to make sure that, you know, during this break, if you miss me, you can message me at Up at Night Cast. We can have a little chit chat, talk about our holidays, um, talk about some murders you may want to hear me talk about, or send me your new ghost stories because that's like, you know, give me something cool I'm going to do. I'm really excited about that stuff because, oh, I just love horror. Oh, I love horror. Oh, speaking of horror stuff. Here's something you can do while I'm gone. There is a Netflix, like, mini-documentary series called Don't Fuck With Cats. Please check it out. I implore you to check it out. It is amazing. I, like, I finished it all, like, in, like... I finished it all, like, 20 minutes ago. I I sat down and watched the entire thing all at once. It was amazing. It's impeccable. I love... I love it! Ugh, I just, I really suggest you check it out. If you like true crime, which I'm going to assume that you do because you're listening to me right now, check it out. It's really good. It's really great. I've been talking for 40 minutes. <laughs> hey, I told you all this is going to be a long ass episode, but hey, it's a season finale. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh, so here's, okay, I guess it's time to go. Oh, oh, I don't want to leave. Oh no, I'm trying to vamping right now. Um, uh. What else can I talk about? Um, I'm really excited to go on holiday. I'm really excited to have my birthday. Next time I'm here, I'll be 21. Very, very exciting. I'll be able to legally drink. Uh, I'll be able to... Ah, it was really funny. I, oh, I'll be able to buy cigarettes now. Um, it was really funny because I told one of my like older relatives, I was turning 21, and he was like, oh, cool, you'll be able to vote. And I was like, what? And I first thought he was kidding, but nah, he's just really fucking old. <laughs> Uh, uh, that was a funny time. Remember that time that I kept on saying Arkansas instead of Arkansas? <sighs> it's hard being dumb. Okay, I guess I should probably get going. Um, well, take care of yourself. Drink a lot of water. Eat some healthy food. Please be with your family this holiday season. Um, if you don't have any family around you, just know that I'm your family and I'm here for you. Uh, 
be around your chosen family, be around your blood family, doesn't matter, be around people that have, I don't know, the same fetish as you. Just hang out, you know, be around people that you care about, people that care about you, because you deserve that. And if you don't have anyone right now that cares about you, I promise you really do. Just look around a little bit more. And if you really don't, I promise I we can spend the holidays together. Let's do it. Let's have a big, big party. We can all hang out. Uh, we can have a great, great time, dance to some, some holiday tunes, and it'll be fun. It'll be a good time. You know what? I'm going to post my holiday. I have a playlist right now on Spotify called Ho Ho Ho. I'm going to post it up with this episode. Boom. Done. Okay. So, so please have a good holiday. Please be safe. And I will see you in the new year. That's not like my, you know, my ending. <laughs> okay. So I hope you guys. Okay. Oh, I don't want to leave. All right. But, oh, but I guess I will see you the next time I can't sleep. Happy holidays, y'all. I love you. Mwah! Oh, 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 oh!